We're going to teach tonight on the assigned topic, how to begin a prayer life, but we changed it just a little bit to how to begin a life of prayer, a life of prayer. Luke 18 and 1 is one of our text scriptures. There's many, there's many text references. Um, I told Elizabeth, she, you don't know her, she's the one that, that helps us with our handouts. I said, just, just spell out the first two verses, and then the rest of them, uh, Lori, I think, has done the hard work of, of getting them all ready to project. So as I'm reading some of these verses, um, if it's something that you feel you want to go back to, maybe it speaks to you, just make a, you just make a check by that verse, and then you can go back. There was just, it, it would have just been too many to have added all of those to the handout. Luke 18 and 1. He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That was Jesus speaking, and in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 in your notes, it's a very powerful verse with just three words, pray without ceasing. So in the beginning, to lay a foundation for this, we're going to be talking about prayer. Much of what I say, many of you have heard and could teach, but I'm I'm hoping that there will be something that will be said that will help us enhance our prayer life because, brothers and sisters, we must enhance our prayer lives. We must. We must become powerful individuals of prayer. And before I was even assign this topic, the Spirit was really speaking to me about enhancing my own prayer life, and, and the Spirit's been speaking quite a few things to me individually that I'm pursuing along this, this line. We have to be individuals of prayer. We need to be families of prayer. Um, we must be a powerful church of prayer. Uh, the junior high youth ministry needs to be known for prayer. The senior high youth ministry, the hyphen group, the young marrieds, generationally. I know that, that our senior life um, demographic in this church uh, under the Huddigers is making more of a focus on prayer. This is very important. We must be people of powerful prayer. And this, this will help. So basically, you have, there is saying a prayer. People that periodically pray. They periodically say a prayer. Then there is developing what we call, what is a common term in growing up in the apostolic church, is a prayer life. A prayer life. Now, I would, I would explain a prayer life like this. You pray every day. Um, you, you come and you're a part of pre-service prayer, which that, 
that 15 minutes before church on Sunday morning, except for those of you that are ministering in other areas, we get that. But, but the more people we can get in this front area focused and praying, you take that many people focused for 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, it can make a difference in the shift in this atmosphere. And we need your help with that. Then there's the monthly weekend, 24-hour uh, prayer that this church does. And then pastor calls specific prayer meetings at different times. If that is a part of our life, then I think that we could pretty much say we have a prayer life. But what we're seeing in Scripture is not just a prayer life. We're seeing that the goal is not just saying a prayer, usually when we're in trouble or have a need, or checking these things off, which is a good thing. I do not say that in a derogatory manner at all, but then that's more of a prayer life, but the goal is a life of prayer, a life of prayer. You say, well, that seems a little aggressive. How in the world is that even practical? Well, let's talk about it. I think for us to be able to get to the basics of this, we just need to answer some very basic one-word questions. And the first one would be why, in your notes. Why? Why should we pray? That's, that is a uh, legitimate question, because with us making so much uh, focus on it, then it's fine to ask, why should we pray? How many of you ever read the book that came out several years ago? Uh, Simon Sinek wrote it, and it was Start With Why. Did, did, did any business people or ministry people, I'm, I'm seeing a couple of hands, Start With Why. Uh, when, when he wrote that book, he was talking about how great leaders inspire everyone to take action. He was talking about the the role that starting with why, the role that plays in actually moving us to do something instead of just talking about it. Because human nature is that we're great talkers, uh, but then there's that doing part that, that seems to trip a lot of us up. It was an amazingly successful book in the business world. Many, many, he sold millions of those books, and it made quite an impact. And Whenever I was thinking about this lesson, I was thinking it would probably be a good idea to bring that, that question into the kingdom on the topic of prayer. Why should I pray? Now, I believe if we can process that question down in the depths, I believe we can, we can gain a great insight and it could help with impacting the kingdom. So why pray? Well, because God responds to prayer. God responds to prayer. Well, he knows what we need. I mean, you know, the word even says that, that he knows that. So, so why should we pray? Because he said to. That's why. He, he, he set it up that he would respond to prayer. Now, I know that's very basic, but let's, let's think just one moment. Um, 
let's say Elon Musk, he's got a lot of money. Um, if Elon was your good friend and Elon told you, you know, uh, hey, Zach, listen, man, if you just need something, ask me. Well, Zach knows that Elon is loaded. Loaded. And he'd never miss a couple hundred thousand, a million, two, three million. I mean, he's... If we had someone that was that rich that we knew that we could see, that we could talk to, and they said, if you have a need, just ask me. We probably would, wouldn't we? Well, God blows Elon away. And, and so when we're talking about that God responds to prayer, it's something that, that really needs to get our attention because this is how we get a reply from God. Now, I heard somebody say one time, um, I heard somebody say that all... All prayers get answered just sometimes. Sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it's later. I don't know what they were smoking. But we're not talking about the same God. Because sometimes the God I pray to, the answer is yes. And sometimes it's later. And sometimes it's no. No, just, just like when we raise little children, they may ask for things that they think is going to be good for them, but we know it's not. But God responds to prayer, and when we're talking about God responding, why pray? Because God responds to prayer. Uh, you young men on the front row, I mean, why would you stop and pray? Well, because God responds to prayer, and He's interested in everything in your life. And that's why we pray. We need a revelation of that simple word, why. Well, then we move to what. What is prayer? And prayer is personal communication with God. It's personal communication. And we know that good communication is at least two parts. Now, I talk to myself a lot. I don't know if you do, but I do. Uh, but that, com that conversation with me is not nearly as good as the conversation is with someone else when it's talking and it's listening. Have you ever talked to someone that you, you were standing there convinced that they do circular breathing through their navel? They have to be breathing through their navel because they never quit talking. I mean, there have been people that I've talked to that I've, that I've wanted to go, where are you getting that much breath? That's, that's, not, that's not good communication at all. And so when we're thinking about, about good communication and and what prayer is, it's communication with, with God. It's that back and forth. It's talking. It's listening. In your notes, when you're thinking about communication, think communication, not competition. 
I have used this example many times. It'll be a repeat for, for several of you. But when we're talking about prayer, this is not angelic Olympics. The angels are not holding up scorecards. They're not. Get competition. When, when you're talking about praying, get the thought of competition out of your mind. Because the angels are not looking and saying, well, that was pretty lame. Two. Holding up a scorecard. Two. Well, now there's a little rhythm to that one. Four. Hey, there's, there's some volume. Five. There's tongues and volume. 8.5. Yeah, you know exactly where I am. There's rhythm, tongues, and volume. That's nine. There's rhythm, tongues, volume, and tears. We got a 10 over here. That's not what it's about, people. It's not. It's communication, it's not competition. Quit competing with somebody else who you hear that prays well. Quit competing. It's not about competition. It's not about, prayer is not about performance. Now, I'm not saying this in a bad way at all, so Tim Barber, don't take it bad. Tim Barber can pray. The man can pray. I love hearing him pray. Whenever he's got the microphone and or pastor, we've been in some prayer meetings and pastors had him pray. The man can pray. Uh, you can also tell that that he doesn't only get his practice in the microphone. He he obviously he obviously prays. There there are don't compete against brother Tim Barber. Don't compete against your grandmother. Don't compete against anybody. Think communication, not competition. In your notes. Think communication, not dictation. This is not about us dictating to him when we go to prayer. He's not our administrative assistant. He's not our secretary. He's not our gopher. He's not our servant. He's not, he's not our maid. He's not our you fill in the blank. It's, it's not that at all. When you're talking about a close relationship, there's different levels of communication when you have a close relationship. And you can write these three down if you care to. There's casual, there's serious, there's intense. That's, that's communication. That's relationship. See in your notes, think relationship, not ritual. Not ritual. I have heard so much ritualistic prayer in my life. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely, I've, I've even done it. Have you ever been praying and then you come to yourself and realize you're not there? That's part of your body that's saying all this stuff and your mind is, is somewhere else. I was praying in the office, in our office yesterday. And, uh, and that started happening to me. And I just stopped in the middle. I said, okay, God, wait, wait, hold on a second. And that's just, that's just the way I do. I said, hold on a second. I'm not even thinking about you. My mouth is just going. So I had to think a second and, and, and bring, it, bring it back in. When we're talking about relationship, uh, that equals two-sided. 
And mutual relationships are a win-win. Uh, in relationships, both, both people should gain from it. Of course, it's based on, on position of order. And um, man, I have, I have heard some horror stories lately, uh, horror stories lately about, about some bad communication between, uh, we do a lot of work with, with pastors from around. And, and um, I was trying to help one pastor and he had to fire a staff member. And, and whenever he told me, uh, when, he, when he told me why he fired him, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you did the right thing. A lot of fallout over that, but he still needed to be fired. Then the next day, I was on the phone with another pastor that was talking about one of his staff people and the way his staff people talked to him and said, I said, whoa, hold on a second. Hang on just a second. I said, what did they say to you? And he said, he said, well, they said this. And I said, and what did you say? He said, well, I looked back and said, you want to respond to me like that again, and you're no longer going to be in a position. I said, perfect. That's, that's, that's exactly what it is. There was, there was one pastor friend of mine that they were pushed for money in a major way. And they were raising money for a building fund. And there was a businessman. They needed 3000 He had to have $50,000 because of a bank situation. And there was a businessman who pledged $3,000. And it, and it got him you know, to that point. It was all going to be great. He felt so good. He was walking to his car, and that businessman walked up to him and said, you know that pledge that I, that I gave for $3,000? And he said, yes. He said, well, I'm not paying it. He's like, why, wh- why are you doing this? I mean, why? He said, because I just want to see you sweat. Horror stories. No respect whatsoever. When, when we think about a relationship, when you're thinking about good connection in a relationship, um, if there's no respect, there's no relationship. And when we're talking to God, we need to have all the respect that we can possibly have. We need to be at the top of our respect level, not not to where we cannot have a casual relationship and a good relationship with him, but when we're talking about this, this is extremely, extremely important. I think there's three attributes of a great relationship, and those are, this is not in your notes, you can jot it if you care to, love, value, and challenge. Love, value, and challenge. I think these are three key attributes of, uh, of that. When you have a good relationship, there needs to be love, there needs to be value, but there also needs to be challenge. So when we're speaking about our relationship with God, we're thinking about that relationship. We must prioritize it. It, it must be a, a priority. As a matter of fact, um, later in this, this lesson, we'll talk about just how important we feel that the first is in talking to God. But there should be no person that is in our life that is more important than God. Nobody. Nobody. Not your spouse. Not your parents, not your children, 
your boss, nobody. Nobody more important than that relationship with God. And so the relationship is two-sided. Then in your notes, the ritual, that's just one-sided. Ritual is just going through motions. Be careful of that because it's easy to do. Have, have you ever been praying and you pretty much just got a, a good case of the old, my, old gods? Oh God, 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 oh. And when that's happening, usually your mind is somewhere else. I get it. I've, I've done that. I was standing on a platform as a pastor with my hands raised, saying things, making my list out for the next day. I get it. I get it. But when we're talking about this relationship, it's something that must be prioritized. Well, then we move into number three, how? How do I pray? I would like to challenge you to become a student of biblical prayer. A student of biblical prayer. If, you've not, uh, if you have not done a topical study lately, do one on prayer. Do one on the prayers of the Bible. When we, when we start with this, of course, we might as well just go to the top and start with the best example regarding prayer. In your notes, Jesus and his life of prayer. We're speaking about Jesus. Now, when I teach leadership, I go to Jesus. When, when we're thinking of, of, if you're thinking about If you're an employer, go to Jesus. If you're an employee, go to Jesus. If you're a family member, go to Jesus. Start with Jesus. No other human. No other human. I don't care who they are, what they've done. No other human is to be an example to us above Jesus Christ. So whenever, when I'm teaching leadership to pastors... I'm not, I'm not talking about this pastor that runs this many or this pastor that runs this many or have you heard about this one that's running? No, no, uh-uh, good. God bless them, God help them. The example is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the example. Of course, in leadership, then if you want to, with me, if you want to talk more, then I'd go to Moses, then I'd go to Joshua, then I'd go to Paul, and then pretty much, I mean, I don't really need to study anybody else. You you get, you get those four, you're in good shape. But when you're, talking, when you're talking about Jesus in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, you have the reference in your notes. He was speaking, this is called the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You take what I just quickly read in a couple of seconds, and you break that down, and you pray that. That's a powerful prayer. We also see what Jesus said in Luke 11, 1 through 4. It came to pass that as he was praying, isn't that something? As he was praying. Jesus prayed. As he was praying in a certain place, when he, he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. He said unto them, I'm just reading the words of Jesus. When ye pray, say. 
That's what it says. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I know there are many guides to prayer. I know there are many people that have different ways of praying, and there's this kind of prayer, and this kind of prayer, and that kind of prayer. That's fine. If it's biblical, if it's tied to the Bible, good. But can we start with what Jesus said? Is, I mean, is it okay to just go to the top and study and hear what Jesus said and do that? Now, Luke 18 and 1, this is uh, our, our lead text scripture again. He spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And this is, then he went on to share about the story of the unjust judge and the widow. Um, she was crying to be avenged, and he did it because of her continuing. Jesus said that his elect will be avenged, which cry day and night. I don't have time to dig into that. You can dig into it later. My point with starting with Jesus is this. Do a study on the prayers of Jesus. Do, do, that, do that study. Read the prayers of Jesus. Let's, let's take it to the top and let's focus. Well then, Daniel, we can look at Daniel and his life of prayer. Uh, Daniel 6 and 10 now, when Daniel, you may want to, um, to write this in, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when he knew, listen, Daniel knew what the stakes were on him continuing his prayer life. He knew. It was, it was very clear that he could get killed for this. Well, here's what he did. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now, I got to be honest with you. I think I would have thought to have closed the window. Now, he, but not Daniel. Daniel was not going to change anything and it landed him in the uh, den of lions, and there was a miracle that happened. Why? That wasn't the first time that God heard Daniel talk. This was his life. This was his life. Study his life. It was not an easy life. Daniel did not have an easy life. He was, he was kidnapped. He was taken to another nation. He served under multiple pagan kings. But... His prayer life, it wasn't a prayer life. He had a life of prayer. Then when we look at Paul and his life of prayer, our text scripture, our second text scripture, again, pray without ceasing. And then there's, there's other verses like this that Paul said, but I just added one for God, in Romans 1 and 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. So we're, we're seeing these verses. We see 
many more connected with Paul and prayer, but this one and a few others speaks of a life of prayer, not just prayer, a prayer, or a prayer life. I know I'm saying that a lot, but I really, I really want that to, to sink in. Now, when we're talking about praying without ceasing, and that men should always pray and not faint, this does not mean that we're to be in a physical position of prayer 24-7 in your notes. Praying without ceasing is living a life of God consciousness, surrender, awareness, and dependence. Is this making sense? Praying without ceasing is living a life of God consciousness, surrender, awareness, and dependence. This is where our first response, here's the big one. This is where our first response to every challenging situation is prayer instead of fear and anxiety. That's the life changer. That will change lives. That our first response, our first response when somebody makes us mad, our first response when we get aggravated, our first response... Our first response, and many of us have not, uh, that many of us have not always gotten an A on this or even a D. Uh, uh, there's been many F's in, in this category, I'm sure. But the goal is that our first response to challenging situations is prayer, not anxiety, not fear. That would be a life changer. That would change our lives. When, when somebody runs out in front of you and you have to slam on your brakes, what comes out of your mouth is very telling. That's right. You know, I'm not, I'm not here trying to, to, you know, condemn anybody. Just let that be a good tester that some things might need to be adjusted. Uh, you know, I've, I've got some, some uh, water here in this container. I can hold it up. If I bump it, what comes out? Water. Why? Because that's what's in it. And when we get bumped, what comes out is what's in us. And so when you get bumped in life, when I get bumped in life, because we all get bumped in life, when we get squeezed, it's kind of like that toothpaste, you squeeze it, what happens? Toothpaste comes out. Why? Because it's in it. So in life, when we get bumped and when we get squeezed, let's pay attention to what comes out. Because we, we, we may need to adjust what's, what's in there. So when we face a challenging situation... Where, where do we go? Do we immediately get mad do we, or, or do we take our attention to God? You say, that's impossible. We can't live like that. You're standing up there teaching things that's not even humanly possible to live. We'll give it a whirl. Just try. Uh, there may be several failures, but just, just try. Just keep trying. So now let's look at types of biblical prayer. It's good to understand I won't nearly about be able to cover all of the types of prayer, but let's run down a few. Thanksgiving, 
Uh, Psalms 100, verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. I think my favorite Thanksgiving quote uh, that I have been using for years is, you can't keep a thankful person down and you can't keep an unthankful person propped up. You can't. There is something about enter into his gates. There is something about the, the dynamic of being thankful, finding something to be thankful for. The, the, the thankful and the unthankful live in two different worlds. I also look at that and see that enter into his gates with thanksgiving in so many words that saying, be thankful or stay out. Be thankful or stay out. Now, God in his mercy and all, well, that's, that's him. He can do whatever he wants whenever he wants to. But the word says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And that leper sure found out there was another dimension, even beyond healing. And, and why? Why did he find it? Because 10 were healed. Nine went on. One came back and was what? Thankful. And he was made what? Whole. So there is a difference in healing and wholeness. And thanksgiving was, was that key. Uh, I would just challenge you, become vocally thankful. Uh, learn, bring thank you uh, back into your vocabulary more. When someone does something or, you know, just thankful, just I'm thankful for this, or I'm thankful for you, or thank. Just work on Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is a is a life changer. Much more to say on that. Not nearly enough time to do it. Uh, the second one is praise. Psalms 34 and one. I will bless the Lord. This is very interesting. What it says. I will bless the Lord when. Wow. At all times, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You say that's not humanly possible. Well, try it. Try it. The next time you want to cuss, praise. That's right. The next time that you want to, well, I'll tell you what, you, I will praise God right now. Try that. Now, a lot of people, your head may blow off. You may have to go to urgent care because of the damage that, that it happens in your body at that moment. Give it a whirl. When you want to cuss, praise. Oh, I know. I feel it right now. Every, everybody here is saying, cuss? Us? New life? Yeah, right. Praise. And do it, do it continually. If you do fail at the cuss test, then this is a good one. Confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Take, take Proverbs 28, 13 and line it up right next to 1 John. What is it? He that uh, conf confess. I, I went blank. Did any of y'all can think of that? 
Psalms what? Well, lay it on me. What is it? There it is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. Is this right? He is faithful and just for... Okay. If we confess our sins, but then in Proverbs 28, he says, he that confesseth and forsaketh. Uh, there's a whole other thing on that. And then Psalms 51, 1 through 3. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from, uh, from my iniquity and uh, cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Get that in verse 3. For I acknowledge my sin. Acknowledge it. Confession and repentance are powerful agents of cleansing. There are some of you right now that are dealing with things that a good, honest time of confession and repentance to God would, would change your life. You are an honest confession and an and honest time of repentance away from, from having a, a new lease on, on life. Now, when we come clean before God, it's, it's so freeing, it's so refreshing. Now I have a human side to it. Why won't we? Do we think he doesn't know it? Do we, do we think he doesn't know what we've done? Confess it. Then we, then we look at worship and adoration. Uh, John four twenty three. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. When, when we're looking at worship, let's make sure that, that we're in spirit, that we're engaging the whole heart um, to where there's, there's passion for God, that we're worshiping in spirit, and of course, also in truth. Now, here's what we need to understand about worship. Spirit without truth leads to a shallow, overly emotional experience that will wear off like a drug. When, when it's spirit without truth, it's going to be a bunch of emotion. We may cry. We may feel the presence of God. Good. But, but unless we add that truth. Now, if it's truth without spirit, then it's just going to be passionless and it's just going to be a joyless encounter is what it will be. But when we worship him in spirit and truth, things change. Then there's supplication in your notes, number five. Ephesians 6 and 18, praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. When we look at this in the Hebrew and, and Greek, when you're looking at supplication, it's basically just a request or a petition. It's asking God for something. It's also very interesting that the Word of God talks about you have not because you ask not. He wants us to ask. This is not in your notes, but you can make the, uh, the reference. You can write the reference down, James 4, 2, and 3. When we're talking about our request, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, cannot obtain, ye fight in war, ye have not because ye ask not. That's, that's powerful. You, you don't have. Well, you, you're not asking. Then it says that ye ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. So, so get this. Get this. Supplication. Asking. 
Let's ask, but let's ask according to his will. Let's ask according to his will. Whenever we're asking, we need to end with, but now God, your will be done. If there's something that I'm, that I'm not seeing, this is what I think. There's been many times I've prayed, now God, this is what I think I need. I think I need this. I think this, this is what I'm after. Now your will be done. You, you see the end from the beginning. There's also intercession in 1 Timothy 2 and 1. It's talking about, first of all, supplication. We just dealt with that, prayers and intercession. When, when you're talking about intercession, it's speaking about falling in with, meeting with, and interview. This is literally what, what the word is meaning. It's coming together. It's a visit. It's conversing. Now, when you're in prayer, have you ever, have you ever had, when you're praying, have you ever had a feeling like, like a family comes to your mind that there was a tragedy and, and you really feel led to pray for them, or there's a need, there's a country, there's this missionary or this pastor, this need, this person. When we feel that when we're praying, the way God designed this is that God's power many times would be released through us. He would guide us on what to pray for, and as we pray, what he prompted us to pray, then, then power would be released. Number seven, one that I love is praying the word. I put four words for you there to consider later. If you'll read the word, interpret the word, apply the word, and pray the word, this, if you're not doing this, start doing this. I'm not going to read the entire chapter of Psalms 23 or 51, but uh, those, are, those are actual um, uh, chapters that, that can be prayed word for word. In Colossians 2 and 10, it says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So here's how we would pray that. King Jesus, I claim the completeness that is found in you and you alone. We, we go to the Word of God, and we pray the Word of God. Uh, Kendra, was it George, that George Mueller, the one, was he the one, 10,000 orphans in some foreign country? Am I on to the right? In, in England, Bristol, England. Uh, George Mueller, he, he never asked God for anything unless he could put his finger on it, the Word, and he would pray the Word. And he ended up affecting 10,000 orphans in England. And the stories are absolutely amazing. If you want to read a life story that is very uh, inspiring, George Mueller is, is that. When we pray um, the word, it's just powerful. This is not in your notes. You can make uh, a note of this also. Pro Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Here's what it says. This is life-changing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Do you see the power of praying that? Lord, I am not going to lean on, on my understanding. I need you. Uh, I, need, 
I am acknowledging you right now in all of my ways. I'm believing you are going to direct my paths. I'm not going to be wise in my own eyes. I'm going to fear you. I'm going to stay away from evil. I'm going to position myself where you can flow through me. I'm talking life-changing communication with, with God. James 1 and 5, I pray this. I pray this about every day, if not every day. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. I can't even tell you the times I pray. Now, God, your word says that if I will ask for wisdom, you'll give it. On this situation, I don't have it. I need it. I have prayed that multiple times uh, a day. I've prayed that whenever I was getting ready to get on conference calls. I've prayed that when we've been trying to work things out. I do not have wisdom. I am acknowledging you, and your word says you will direct my path. People, get practical with this. Get practical with it. And then we look at prayers of deliverance, Psalms 32 and, and 7. Uh, speaks about songs of deliverance, Galatians 5 and 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Pray this. I know that Celebrate Recovery is a big ministry in many churches. Thankful for that, not knocking that. But I was talking to a pastor on the phone two days ago. They have a big Celebrate Recovery in their church. We were talking about different things. And I said, but, and I called him by name. I said, don't get so focused on celebrating recovery that you never pursue celebrating deliverance. I don't know about you. I'm ready to hear more deliverance stories here. I'm ready to hear about some drug addicts that came down and were anointed and never had another desire for drugs or, or drink or prescription drugs or illegal drugs or, or whatever. I, let's, not, don't, let's not go to sleep on deliverance. And I believe that we need to be using that word in our prayer more, God, we need to see people delivered by the power of the Holy Ghost. I am for process. I'm for healing. I'm for however God wants to do it. But I'm going to be one person. I am not going to erase the power of deliverance out of my thinking and out of my vocabulary and just think that everything always has to be gradual steps. I'm not knocking steps. I've, I, I have seen that do wonderful. Um, I've seen it help people in a major way. But listen, folks, we're an apostolic church. We will not give up deliverance. We believe that people can be delivered of any evil spirit. Yes, we do. And then, of course, there's healing. Psalms 107 and 20, he sent his word and healed them. Isaiah 53 and 5, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, with his stripes, we are healed. Here's what I'm saying. You need healing? Pray these scriptures. We, we don't have to always just pray in a general manner. 
God, whatever, you, you know, it's kind of like somebody saying, if there's, you know, if there's anything wrong in my heart, I just view God saying, yeah, right. Uh, why don't we deal with what you know is wrong first? Why don't you repent and confess of what you know is wrong? Then we'll get to, yes, God, and if there's anything in my heart that I don't know. Let's deal with this by his word, and let's let it become a, a life of prayer, not just a prayer life. Then there's transformation, Romans 12, 12 and 2, and you can tell that I am picking up the speed because the clock is a ticking fast. There's other prayers, tongues, agreement, dedication, blessing, salvation, prophetic, spiritual warfare, lament, guidance, uh, uh, listening, fellowship, vows, quiet, reflection, it's loaded. The topic of prayer in the Word of God is loaded. And if you know how to read and you know how to go to your concordance in the back and find the P's for prayer, there is a world that can be unlocked and unleashed for you spiritually. And then, of course, resources in your notes, um, a Bible, journal, notebook, general prayer information, uh, when you're going to prayer, get, get some information, load up on it, study it, use it. Worldnetworkofprayer.com. You may want to write that down. Worldnetworkofprayer.com. I went there today, again, before I mentioned this, just to make sure uh, that, that there's still a lot of good resources, and they've added much more since the last time I checked. Worldnetworkofprayer.com. Well, when... We've talked about all this other stuff, so when? Well, when do I pray? We must pray early and without ceasing. That's when. Early and without ceasing. Genesis 19, 27, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. Psalms 5 and 3, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Psalms 57 and 8, awake up, my glory, awake. Psaltery and harp, I myself will awake early. Psalms 63 and 1, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. Psalms 143 and 8, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Mark 1, 35, and in the morning, rising up great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there pray. Now, I know that we're living, when all of that was written, everybody was pretty much on the same work schedule. It was pretty much get up at daylight, work, and everybody was going down uh, at night. I know now we got different shifts. Uh, there's people going to bed at different times, getting up. How do I feel like that we can, that we can answer this as uh, early as first? It's just first. Uh, I know there's different challenges when you've got small children. I'm not here to add pressure on you. But, uh, you know, you, when you fly out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, to try to help a screaming baby, well, try to pray on your way, you know. And a prayer you may want to pray is, oh, God, help me not to kill this kid. Oh, God, please help me not to kill this kid. Just pick your prayer, but, but, just, but just pray it. Those, those of us who do not have small children in our house, then it'd be a good idea to get this first thing right 
and we really don't have an excuse. We really don't have an excuse. So if we need to start going to bed a little bit earlier to get up a little bit earlier, do, do whatever, but let's, let's get this right. Well, where? Where do I pray? Choose your place. You need a place. You need a place that you can pray. I, I want to speak to these, these young people right now. If you would go in your room, and if you would order your room, and if you'd clean out any trash in your room that, like, your parents don't know that you got in there that's ungodly, you'd clean it out, and you would prepare a place, and it could be setting up on your bed, or there could be a chair. Get your place. I'm challenging every one of you. Get your place. Get a place that you know when you look at that place that that's the place you meet God. And lay your Bible there or your notebook there or whatever. And there may be some times when you're getting ready to get out of control and you're mad and people are pushing your buttons. Um, It will probably be okay with most of your family if instead of you blowing a gasket, you just say, hey, give me 10. I, I need to go sit in my chair and get my head right. You say, you are from another world and you don't know what you're talking about. Before you feel that way, really try it. You got to have a place. We've got to have a place that we meet God. And then there is competition elimination. Uh, This is very important if we're going to have a life of prayer. It's time to eliminate any competitive voices, whether human or electronic. This is a tough one for every one of us. Um, when you're talking about people, you can have a lot of acquaintances. That's fine. Have a lot of friends, have a lot of acquaintances. But the people that speak into your life, the people that you let in deeper, they better be people that, that are trying to help you and allow you to help them move closer to God. Eliminate competing voices. Screens. When we're talking about that, you've heard me say more than once that we live in the screen age and the screens are winning. That's, it's just the way it is. Uh, we've got to continually fight it because we are. We are in a screen age and we use them for work and we have to use them. And, and you know, I, I get all that. But when it comes to our recreational time or whatever on screens, God have mercy. We got to be careful because... There, you talking about pushing us away from God. These things are serious. They are a serious issue. And so eliminate competing voices. And in closing, now is the time to take a step forward in living a life of prayer. Pastor sent this directive out. I was on the list. I don't know who all got it. But I added it in your notes Um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and again, I don't even know the group of people that it went to, but here's what he said. Take time every day to read the Bible and pray. It may be 10 minutes, hopefully more, for both. This must be a non-negotiable in your life. The key here is every day. This has nothing to do with Sunday services, so make a plan and stay with it. And that that was Pastor speaking that. Now, here's, here is something that I use in, in my life. There is the exception and there is the rule. Okay? 
We control the rule. God controls the exception. Or maybe there would be an exception that would come in another way. We control the rule. If you're not praying every day, I don't expect you tomorrow to wake up and you have a life of prayer. I don't expect that. But let's take some steps. Let's take some steps. And if you could maybe keep those notes close to you and, you know, for the next week, um, if you just glance down it every day, you don't have to study the thing, the whole thing, just glance down and just, just pick up a thought or, or pick up a piece. We have got to get serious about developing a life of prayer. And we're leaving so much on the table. That old song, oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, what needless confusion we deal with because we do not carry everything. Everything. In all my ways, in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. This is not competition. This is communication. Can we stand together? In closing, in closing, I would like for us to, to pray, and I would, like, I would like for us to sincerely pray that, that God would, would help us, that God would help us, that God would continue to speak to us to where we would yield in a greater manner of prayer. Can you imagine what could happen in here on Sundays if this many people were focused on a life of prayer and then we brought all of those sticks of dynamite in here on a Sunday morning? It would, it would absolutely be amazing. And it is possible, it is possible for us to understand greater dimensions of prayer and God wants to do much more in us and through us. He's already done what he did for us, but he's wanting to do much more in us and through us than we can even imagine. But he's not going to do it unless we do it his way. Father, we come, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your directives. And God, I am just praying that from me to everyone else that is hearing this, that you will help us, that you will help us to tune in to what your word is saying and that we would be people that will not be satisfied to just periodically say a prayer or work on a prayer life, but we would pursue a life of prayer. Now, you want it. You're waiting for us to position ourselves for it. Now, let it be done in Jesus' name. And can the church say amen?